Hi, I'm Jonathan Karp, the CEO of Simon & Schuster, and this is my record. Listening to WABC before I went to sleep, 77 WABC radio, and the Pina Colada song came on, and it was like an O. Henry story. And it became my favorite song, I thought it was kind of prophetic because the, the first line is, I was tired of my lady, we'd been together too long. The twist is that he's tired of his lady, you know, he answers a personal ad and he thinks he's going to meet someone new and he walks into the bar to meet the new woman he's hoping to have this great relationship with. And so it was just the idea that, you know, he was, this character in this song was bored. He puts out a personal ad. He thinks somebody new has answered it, but it's the same person he was with all along. And he, he knew her smile in an instant. He knew the curve of her face. I just love the phrase, the curve of her face. And it was my own lovely lady. And she said, oh, it's you. And we laughed for a moment, you know? And it was just a wonderful twist. I wanted to know who this guy was. And I began reading more about him. I bought some of his other albums that were out. And then one day, my dad came home from a garage sale that he'd been to. And he handed me a copy of this album that I had not known existed. It was widescreen. It was Rupert Holmes's first album. I subsequently discovered from Rupert that only 10,000 copies had been pressed. And somehow, one of those 10,000 copies made its way from Epic Records to this garage sale in New Jersey. And I started listening to the album, and it was uh, the idea of something he called film rock, that each song was going to be like a mini movie. And the second song was a song where he really got me. That was the song where I fell in love. And it was terminal. I've come back this morning to where I first came alive. Here within this terminal where the buses arrive. It was a, a song about a, a weary Wall Street wonder who one day in the terminal of the bus station meets a woman and has a wonderful fling with her that afternoon. And, and just when you're celebrating the, the rhapsody of that union, there's the final realization where the character says, could have held her body my entire life, but I had to get home to the kids and the wife. And it was like a gut punch. And, and I just couldn't get over the fact that a songwriter could take me on such a journey in such a brief period of time. You know, he's had this incredible love affair with this woman. And, uh, you know, and then uh, you find out that um, he has to get home to the kids and the wife. And so I left for the terminal where I began. Baby, no, I wouldn't have left if I'd been half a man. I was a real aficionado of lyrics as a kid. I was in my teens when I discovered Rupert Holmes, but I was also studying the great Broadway lyricists, people like Yip Harburg. I, I, I used to love playing the cast album of Finian's Rainbow, and there was that wonderful song, When I'm Not Near the Girl I Love, I Love the Girl I'm Near. 
And Rupert's songs were contemporary pop music, but they had that same incredible wordplay and and the tightness of his internal rhymes uh, and the fact that he was also telling stories. It all just blew me away. And I just couldn't get over the fact that this guy wasn't bigger. I mean, for me, Rupert Holmes is as big a pop star as Billy Joel or or Bruce Springsteen or, or Paul Simon. And it really bugged me that he didn't get the credit he deserved. So when I was a reporter years later, I was a summer intern at the Washington Post. And I asked my editor, hey, can you let me write a profile of Rupert Holmes? And I knew that he had this musical that was in previews at the Public Theater. It was based on The Mystery of Edwin Drood by Charles Dickens. And Rupert had written the book, the lyric, all of the orchestrations, and also, of course, the music. And it also, by the way, turns out that the reason he got the gig was because Joseph Papp, the artistic director of the Public Theater, he had heard widescreen too. And so uh, they commissioned him to write this musical. Anyway, I met Rupert for the first time and I interviewed him and he said something to me then that really changed my life. I asked him, I said, how is it that you're able to write a Broadway musical having no experience doing this? And you're writing the book and the lyrics and the music. And he showed me the orchestrations. They were incredibly complex. He was writing each of the parts, all of the wind instruments. And you know, I, I was amazed by it. So I said, how are you doing this? And he said, well, John, it's easy. I'm faking it. And then he gave me his theory, which really stayed with me my entire life. He said, listen, John, everybody is faking it. Do you think during Watergate they had any idea what they were doing? The entire Congress of the United States, they were faking it. And right now I'm faking it. Well, I wrote the article. And then less than a year later, Rupert Holmes won multiple Tony Awards for his work on The Mystery of Edwin Drood. I think he was the first person in Broadway history to win that many Tony Awards for book and music and lyrics. So the idea that everyone is faking it, it stayed with me through college. It stayed with me through my first jobs. And whenever I was feeling a little bit insecure, I would think about Rupert Holmes telling me that everyone is faking it. So then I I decided that I really wanted to be a book editor. So I took an entry-level job at Random House. And when you start out um, as an editorial assistant, the only way you're ever going to get promoted is if you find authors. One of the very first people I wrote to on my Random House stationery was, of course, Rupert Holmes. Because I couldn't think of anybody better to write a book. So I wrote him a letter. I said, you know, you may remember me. I wrote this article about you for the Washington Post. You should write a book. Would you please write a book? And I didn't hear anything for several years. But finally, one day, I actually did get a call from Rupert Holmes saying, you know, I've been thinking about it and I actually would like to write a book. And so we got together. But I I don't really think there was anything in writing. I think that it was just, we're going to sign you up to write a novel. And good luck. Here's some money. Go ahead and write it. And then he proceeded to disappear for seven years where, you know, we kept in touch. He was always very cordial. We would have lunch, but I didn't read anything. Seven years later, the book came in. It knocked me out. It was such a satisfying novel. It's called Where the Truth Lies. It was widely acclaimed. It was uh, adapted into a film that was directed by Adam Agoyan. It starred Kevin Bacon and Colin Firth. I continue to believe that it's one of the most satisfying novels I've worked on. It's just a, it's, it's a delightful, twisty murder mystery with a couple of characters who are a lot like Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. It's a wonderful novel. So we've stayed in touch through the years. Um, I edited 
did one more novel after that called Swing. And for the last 10 years, Rupert has been at work on a new novel. I'm not exaggerating. He's been writing it for 10 years. It's set actually at the McMaster's School, which is a school where they teach the homicidal arts. It's a school where you can actually learn how to murder somebody and knock someone off. Uh, He calls it a finishing school for finishing someone off. And the title of this book is called Murder Your Employer. And it's going to be the first in a series. So anyway, that is how I know Rupert. It's been one of the most, you know, satisfying creative relationships of my life. I have learned more about the craft of writing and storytelling from working with Rupert and from studying Rupert's work than almost anyone else. I am now about to begin the last of my days. I'm within what others would call a terminal phase. I myself can only say it's living dead. Right into the office with a song in my head that goes. I've proselytized on behalf of Rupert Holmes for years. I've sent songs to friends. I've bought albums. I'm on a personal crusade to make him as as well-known as the best-known singer-songwriters. And in fact, if anybody is listening right now, if you are a country recording artist and you have a following, you should listen to widescreen and you should just turn it into a country album because every song on that album um, is a hit. Jonathan Karp, thanks for sharing your story on my record. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about? Yes, I have a regular book recommendation series on YouTube and at the Simon & Schuster website, and it's called The Word According to Karp. I recommend my favorite books and I talk about what's going on in the publishing world. Join us next time when music industry veteran Ted Cohn tells the story of the hit record he loves so much that it cost him his job. To make sure you don't miss an episode of My Record, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you like what we're doing, take a moment to rate and review the show. To check out photos of our guests and connect on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, just search for My Record. That's one word. You can email us at myrecord at popcultworldwide.com. My Record is produced by Pop Cult Worldwide. Executive producers are Dennis Shire and Lars Murray. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. I'm Mike Joshua. Thanks for listening.